I support the Black Lives Matter movement. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Martin Luther King Jr. Hey there, listeners. If you're new to the podcast and you're really not into the get to know you banter, I totally get it, which is why in every episode description, I have listed the segments of the podcast with their timestamps. That way, if you want, you can get right to the creepy goods. little strangelings. On this podcast, I discuss the world's folklore, myths, legends, and superstition. I explore what these stories meant to the cultures that shared them, the different uses of lore in our modern day entertainment, and the history of it all. Welcome to Folklore Friday. And now time for some everyday folklore. Hello, strangelings. How's your October going? I hope even with this damned pandemic hanging over everyone's head, that you're making time to celebrate this season a bit. For me, I have definitely decorated for Halloween the last weekend of September (laughs) because I love this holiday. It's my favorite. It's my husband's favorite and we may not be able to go out and do anything, but I didn't want to let it pass by. And it was, it just felt good. It felt good because I'm also an artist. And so I I painted and I drew pictures and and bought some crazy frames from thrift stores and it just, it felt good. So I hope you leave yourself some time to do some festive things. And something else that I'm doing is I had a goal that the month of October, I wanted to post an episode every Friday, but it turns out that takes a lot more planning than I realized, but I would, I would like to be able to continue to do that. And so this we've recorded, well, this I'm recording right now, Friday morning, the 16th at 1018 And the episode we recorded Wednesday, me and Cecily. Holy cow. (laughs) I never thought I could just whip out a podcast that fast, but luckily it was a history one and those take less time. The review ones take for freaking ever because I have to add in clips, but I really like the way they turn out. So I hope you appreciate the work I'm putting into getting this out to you today. We've also been watching a lot of movies. I'm kind of a chicken, so (laughs) my Halloween list of movies has been pretty family friendly. But I have decided that each month I'm going to be brave and watch a horror movie. And I'm starting with all the classics. Oh my gosh, forgive my voice. I'm just tired. I'm not sick. (laughs) Not like you can get sick from listening to me, though. Ah. (laughs) So this month we watched, of course, Halloween, the first. And it was a good example of how movies have evolved since the 70s. Actually, the worst part for me is when he killed the freaking dog. Chris and I have talked about before that the worst sound in the world to us is an animal in distress. And obviously it was a movie and it was all fake, but mm -mm. nope, nope, nope. I think there's a website called Does the Dog Die? One of my professors from college actually brought it up in a film class I took and it just made the professor, she became much more endearing to me after that moment. (laughs) Like, yes, we are birds of a feather. 
but I was pleased that I could that I could handle that that movie. And honestly, this is going to sound like such a poser statement because I'm not a big I don't want to say I'm not a horror fan. I'm just not a slasher fan. I do like some horror movies, but I mostly like to focus on supernatural type things. But I do want to be more well-rounded. But I was pretty pleased to see that I could that I could handle it. That was exciting, but I still think that The Exorcist would scare the pants off of me. So I'll do it someday. Maybe if I get a lot of listeners and viewers on YouTube and you request it, then I'll watch it. But until then, (laughs) those numbers got to triple, if you know what I'm saying, before that happens. So for today's everyday folklore, have you ever wondered why the rooms in our home have certain names? Well, For many years, the main room in the home was called the parlor or the death room. As you will learn in this episode, the culture surrounding death has drastically changed over the years. For most of the 1800s in the US and in Europe, when someone passed away, it was common for the family to display the deceased in their home until it was time for the burial. Now, to get a clear picture, this was a family occasion. This wasn't something that children were shied away from or shielded from. Death was everywhere. People died much more commonly, much more younger. The life expectancy was much shorter. Children got a job at age 12. So it's a very different society than what we have now. Even preparing the corpse. They would help dress the corpse. They would change children. I mean, they would change the ice. They had to constantly keep changing the ice because that was the only thing keeping the body from decaying. And the whole family would get together around the casket which was either displayed on the couch, the floor, or a table, they would all gather around and take a family portrait. And then that photo would hang in their home so that they were always honoring and remembering that family member. And for a few days, the body would be there. People could come and visit and pay their respects. Now, over time, public facilities evolved and funeral homes became much more common and equipped. And the room in which a body is displayed is called the parlor. Eventually, funeral homes became the common practice for keeping and displaying the deceased until the burial. By the end of the 19th century, families no longer carried the responsibility of displaying the corpse in their homes. The parlor, or the death room, was renamed the living room as a reminder that death was taken out of the home as much as possible. With the improvement of the conditions of treatment of the dead and the decrease in number of deaths, The Ladies' Home Journal in 1910 suggested that the living room was no longer a room of death, that it would only be appropriate to call it the living room. This is fascinating to me how things develop and change over time. Think of how different our lives are compared to those that lived before us in so many ways. Especially now in the pandemic. Oh my gosh. Just think of all the efforts that we're we're doing to keep things sanitary. It's crazy to me to think that it was so commonplace for a family to just have their dead loved one chilling, literally with ice in their home. What a different life we lead. Now, I've posted some old photos of family pictures with their deceased displayed in their parlor or death room on the Folklore Friday Instagram. They'll be in the carousel with a photo of me with a fake tattoo of a Ouija board on my chest. (laughs) I was trying something new. Tell me what you think. So with that new knowledge, when you sit down on your couch in your living room to watch some streaming or movies or dink around on your phone, think of the history of that room. You no longer have to share your couch with a corpse. Now back to your regularly scheduled program. All right, welcome to Folklore Friday. So I'm your host, Megan, and today I am joined by my friend, Cecily. Hello. And she's such a trooper. She took some pictures with me, so she got to see how that process was, and I like like them. (laughs) Yeah, I think that we are a dynamic duo in our (laughs) photographic adventures. Yeah, and I kept copying her poses because after looking at it, I was like, oh, that's a good expression. (laughs) (laughs) I should do that. I love photo shoots. They're so fun. Cool. Oh, good. Then I know I can call you for if I have any other creepy ideas. Anytime. (laughs) Cool. 
So um, I'm curious what listeners you can comment to message me on Instagram. I want to know what your favorite kind of Halloween movies are or movies you watch this time of year. And so Cecily, do you have any that you just always have to watch? Yes. Hocus Pocus every year. Have to do it. <laughs> Sisters, <laughs> you have to do it. Um, I think I watched it this year. My mom came up to visit. We watched it with her and I hadn't watched it for, um, you know, a whole year. And after a year of other seasons and stuff, you forget the funny little things that are in that movie, but it's so good. And I hear they're making a sequel and I can't <gasps> wait. What? Yes. I hear that they're making a sequel. I don't know how far they are into that idea or who's coming back as far as original actors or what, but I would be very excited to see that. Oh, I hope that Midler does it. Yeah. She's so entertaining. Yeah. They have to have, everybody has to be the same or else what's the point? Yeah, I did. Um, I did download it's Hocus Pocus, the sequel audiobook. Oh, And I'm only, cause it's kind of, I like it, but they run through kind of the movie and so you'll hear li- lines and dialogue from the movie. And, but then there will be little extras. Like you hear a lot about how Max has had a crush on Allison for a while and how he's watched her and how she interacts with people at school and, and talks about things that she's passionate about. And so you get like a little insight, but at the same time you hear these lines, but they sound nothing like the, you know, like the way the narrator does that in there. She goes, <gasps> Sisters instead of sisters. And you're like, that is not what it sounds like. It's not accurate at all. So they run through half of half of the book is the everything that happens in the movie. And then the second half, which I'm not at yet, is Max and Allison as adults and they have a child. And Mm -hmm. the sisters what what is their name? The Sanderson sisters get released again. Oh. And they go after their child. Oh, and wow. So, so maybe that's what it's about. I would hope so. Because that would be cool. Because, I mean, it says cool. Disney's Hocus Pocus. And so I, they probably have the rights to that. Mm-hmm. So, Which was a surprising choice for Disney. Because that's a pretty dark movie. Yeah. I that was very interesting. It was like in the 90s. Yeah, 93. And it was released in July. Did you know that? <laughs> I can't believe that. That's absurd. <laughs> that's such that's such a horrible PR move. <laughs> yeah, but it became a cult classic. It did. Yeah, I do like that. So yes, I agree. I definitely watch Hocus Pocus. I'm going to do a whole podcast on the history of Hocus Pocus. So that should be cool. I what do I like? I this year I've wanted to watch way more because <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't have a job. Um, but I like Hocus Pocus. I like Beetlejuice. Oh, and we've talked about this. Cecily, anything with slight claymation in it makes her sick. Yeah, can't watch it. Makes me horrified. Sometimes I cry. Oh, my God. Can't, can't handle claymation of any kind. <laughs> Tim Burton claymation, worst of the worst <laughs> so far. I mean, if I really have to watch James and the Giant Peach, I can, but I'll need like some Pepto-Bismol and a teddy bear oh, to get through it. I don't know. Sucks. It's so weird. I mean, I, I like we've talked about it. Like, it makes sense. It, it's not real but it looks real it, it looks almost like this nightmare kind of version of it's what reality could be nightmare fuel yeah <laughs> but no I, I like beetlejuice and then practical magic is one of my favorites i have to watch that i've never seen that i want to see it. oh it's so good it's on amazon prime i oh i i mean i think or maybe i just bought it on amazon prime. <laughs> but it's yeah i'll watch it with you because i've already watched it once it's just, ah, uh, it's good. It has all the classic, not all the classic, but it's a really good modern kind of perspective of if witches live now, what would they do? Because they still have regular problems. It's not like they snap their fingers and everything's fine. Yeah. And so it's, oh, it's, it's, it's real fun. On this episode of Folklore Friday, we bring you the history of the Ouija board. All right, so we are going to talk about the history of Ouija boards today. And I am really excited about this because this is one of the reasons that I I kind of wanted to start Folklore Friday and talk about just not talk about, but more so educate about things because Ouija boards, I've discovered people are terrified 
of them, but sometimes they can't necessarily pinpoint why. And I think, I mean, even me, okay, so I was scared to even research them because I grew up with the same things that everyone else did. Like, oh, you can't touch it. And and I honestly, it wasn't until I started getting more into to folklore and kind of learning about these things. I listened to this podcast where this guy, he collects Ouija boards and he's all about them. And he says he would go to even paranormal conventions called, there's called Paracon, which sounds awesome. Um, and he said, even within that community, people will get freaked out. And when he asked, well, why they don't, they don't have a answer. And even myself, I was like, well, why? And I was like, I think it's just rumors. It's not like, like I went to church and I was like, really religious and still am, but I never heard anyone stand up on the pulpit and say, here's why you shouldn't. It was just, it was just a thing that everyone believed. And so even me, I was like, (laughs) so nervous to learn about it. Then the more I learned, it was just so fascinating how, oh, there's just so much more to the story than, than you'd think. And we, we're influenced by the media and by what people say with, but with information so readily accessible, I found that oftentimes people don't just, oh, well, let's just look up just like a little bit because then it can kind of dispel that superstition, I think is the right mm-hmm. word. But tell me your experiences with, I mean, you were telling me some stuff earlier about how your aunt sang one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I grew up in a very religious household. Um, we went to church several times a week, Bible study, Bible camp. Um, there was something called uh, Awana that we would go to once a week that was like, an evening camp where you just memorize the Bible. It was just, it was mm-hmm. very interesting. Uh, so very religious household and we were not allowed to have any kind of Ouija boards in the house. Um, I didn't even know what they were really until our aunt sent us one for Christmas or something. And my dad took it in the backyard and burned it immediately. <laughs> and I was like, what is that? And he was like, it's evil. It will not be in this oh house. God, that's so good. <laughs> um, and so then naturally I was like, wait, what is that though? And then I started to hear about them and I was like, Ooh, Maybe it's a good thing that he burned it. So I, I think that sort of solidified any terror I had about them. Uh-huh. Um, but the funny thing is my aunt was extremely religious too, like super devout. And so I think that she and my mom were fighting at the time and she sent us that as like a, a warning or a threat <laughs> or something. I don't know. But um, that's kind of the only experience I've ever had with one. But I mean, for your first introduction, that's pretty classic. Pretty scarring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, see that you can actually trace it back to, mm-hmm. well, this happened and then my dad burned it because he was scared of it, which is really funny because usually most people it's, oh, I heard it, somebody this happened to. And I have met people that like this happened to, but even, I don't know, it's just kind of interesting, but that it's like concrete, like here's how I first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no mystery here. Yeah. Because, <laughs> okay. Like even... For me, um, I was trying to figure out why, because I never heard anyone at church actually say, these are bad, don't use them. And so I started looking through articles for for the church. Um, I'm LDS or Latter-day Saint, otherwise known as Mormon, a lot of nicknames, and not the culty ones. (laughs) Every religion has a cult, so I'm just point that out mm-hmm. <laughs> but um we have what we call general authorities and so it's, it's a unified doctrine and so it's not like you can go to the the church in the town over and they'll be you know non-denominational teaching something different and so i was like i have there's there's gotta be some concrete thing and so i found an article and the only thing that i read it said beware of clairvoyance and ouija boards because they could be misleading and that was it. And that was like a general authority. So that's someone that's like, that's his position, receives inspiration. And I was like, well, that's not scary. No. <laughs> there was nothing about demons. There was nothing about guard your home. Yeah, portals. And, uh, yeah. And so I thought, well, huh. It was just like, well, they could be trying to get your money. And, it, you know, a Ouija board is misleading. That was, you know, the only thing. And it, and it went on to say, if your loved ones that have passed on want to get in touch with you, they'll get in touch with you, which I also found was cool because it wasn't like, oh, no, don't. It was like, yeah. we definitely believe that it's not going to be a big part of your life, but it's a possibility mm-hmm. that that can happen, and you know, as a positive experience. But yeah, it was just surprising. Yeah. I wanted to, I like, highlighted it. And I think I was on my mission at the time. And I was like, look what I found! 
<laughs> so the other missionary was like, did you know this? And I just created this whole discussion of my um, teaching companion, which is um, what we call the people that we worked with at the, uh, at the time. She was like, oh, and just didn't even want to read it. And I was like, you don't even want to read it. You don't even want to educate yourself. Like, <laughs> come on. She was just like, I don't think we should be talking about that. And I was like, you're not fine. And so then I went and I talked to the um, Hispanic elders and culturally totally different. And so they were like, really? And yeah. then they were like, so this one time, and I was like, tell me everything. Because yeah. <laughs> they're from Mexico. And so, you know, Americans just any culture is going to have differences in how they view the afterlife. And so that was kind of fun to yeah. hear what they had to say. Okay. So the Ouija board or Ouija board is currently owned by Hasbro games was patented February 10th, 1891. To understand the Ouija board, we must first know the history of talking boards, which were first used in the 1850s. The birth of talking boards is very similar to how the Salem witch trials started with two girls playing a game. In a family cabin located in Hydesville, New York, in 1848, the Fox sisters, Margaret and Kate, were playing around and they claimed they heard a noise. They began to ask if the noise was a spirit contacting them from beyond the grave. They claimed they were receiving answers through taps and knocking. One tap for yes and two taps for no. Hmm. Their parents were afraid of this phenomenon at first and sought answers, so they invited the neighbors over to ask them if they had ever encountered anything like that before. As time went on, word spread, and soon the Fox family had multiple visitors every day to witness Margaret and Kate communicate with the dead. As people continued to line up at their front door, Mr. and Mrs. Fox saw this as an opportunity to gain some income, so they charged visitors to see the spectacle. Their older sister, Leah, came up with the idea of running through the letters of the alphabet to spell out words. With this new technique, the sisters stated the entity was the spirit of a peddler named Charles B. Rosna, who had been murdered five years earlier. And so it began the use of the talking boards. Talking boards became wildly popular after the spread of the Fox sisters. People made their own versions, but they all, for the most part, had the alphabet, yes, no, and goodbye. The Fox sisters had thriving careers as mediums for many, many years. Okay. A peddler. I just think that's interesting because it's like, okay, so first we had the, the sisters come up with a binary code. And then the sister Leah said, well, what about this? Yeah. <laughs> and I can just totally see parents going, Oh, you know, at first we weren't okay, but now we're okay with this. Yeah, now that we're making money, it's fine. Let's yeah. do it. Let's really do it up. But I just want to highlight the in influence of these two little girls mm -hmm. because they came up with this system and then talking boards were created from this thing that they started. And that's, that is really cool to me. I know. And you know, they probably didn't see any royalties. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they did have great careers. Yes, they did as they mediums, were, mm -hmm, which well, I'll talk, we'll talk about that later. But great way for a woman to make money in that mm -hmm. time. But I just think so. Sometimes people think, oh, it's this ancient oracle. No, 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 no. It only has ever existed or like created in this country. Mm -hmm. And there's oracles. Yes, are there's ideas of oracles and prophets and prophetess are that's like an ancient concept but not this and so right there it's just kind of interesting one important thing to give context to talking boards is how americans reacted to to death at that time in the 1800s in the u.s death was much more frequent and the life expectancy was much shorter after someone died it was customary to keep the body at the family's home the family would dress their lo loved one in their Sunday best and pose them sitting upright with everyone gathered around them for one last photo with the deceased. The body would then be kept in what was then called the parlor for people to come and pay their respects. This means that all the members of the family would help with keeping the body chilled with ice surrounding the body in a coffin or casket displayed on the couch or table. Death was all around. There was no avoiding it. And people openly talked about it, which is a stark contrast between today's society in which some families choose to not have their children attend funerals at all. 
Isn't that nuts? That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, just to, to think about it, I and I've met people like that, like, oh, oh, we don't want little Jimmy to go. Grandma died. I'm like, what? There, I don't like that con- that idea of let's shield children from this because it's part of life. Mm-hmm. It's gonna happen. But so just that that whole concept that death was everywhere, but now we don't even have it. And just to think about it, it was so common to just to even just to like prop up your dead family member and take a picture that seems really morbid mm-hmm. to me but that's because that's the society that you know we've been raised in yeah i mean the idea of taking a selfie with a dead person is like <laughs> you'd be torn apart yeah you, you would be canceled oh my god <laughs> you yeah. can't do that but like that's what everybody did and it was like a respectful nice thing to do mm-hmm. but that Oh, and people don't even buy houses if somebody died in it. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, if they find out there was a dead person in that house, they're like, I am not buying that house. You, you have get to, me out of here. You have to include that information yeah. if you're a realtor. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, that, it wouldn't bother. It would bother me if somebody was, like, murdered. Yeah. But yes. personally, I wouldn't, I wouldn't care. Maybe get a cheaper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all just so interesting. People just don't talk about it anymore. Like, it's just a... They're the it's just so far removed from everything. Yeah. And just to think of like a kid changing ice for their dead brother or dead sister, like to their, to their casket. Yeah. Like that's how, because if you don't, the body's going to get stinky. How would they have gotten so much ice back then? I don't know. That's a very interesting thing to wonder. Or would you? Because that was probably, did they have? They had, well, they had ice boxes before they had, um, yeah i guess so i don't know i keep thinking this is like way older when they were like moving ice around on boats and stuff uh-huh <laughs> well because it would i don't think you could i think you would buy it and then obviously change it out because it, yeah. it like melts i don't think they had like a big freezer where they could keep them out. if it was in the winter would they just like toss them out in the lawn yeah i, I mean it's a good time to die <laughs> I don't know. and then because people traveling wasn't as easy if somebody wanted to come and you know pay their respects sometimes it would be there for a few days just like in the home i know would people have to like worry about animals and stuff i just so many questions i know because we just that like you said somebody would be canceled if they even took like a selfie and to think of having a dead body in your home like oh yeah (laughs) yeah so strange it's really interesting After the Civil War, which went from 1861 to 1865, a large majority of families lost husbands and sons with no... uh, hmm. After the Civil War, which went from 1861 to 1865, a large majority of families lost husbands and sons with no bodies sent home. This affected the country as a whole. Transporting bodies back to their loved ones turned out to be very difficult, especially during the war where the economy was already struggling greatly. Mass graves and mass cremations were often used after battles. This meant that families had to learn to deal with loss and also having no answers on how their loved ones died and not being able to have burials either. This only fueled the fascination with spirit boards and spiritualism as a movement. That sucks. Because if you think about the ritual that they did, you know, they would dress the body up. I mean, that that I imagine that would assist in the grieving process mm-hmm. because the body's there. There's no, oh, you, you, if you wake up to this dead body mm-hmm. for like a week, it's going to probably help you realize they're, they're gone. Yeah. And I, I, especially back then, like it would be like, oh, yeah, this person was lost in battle. Well, how do you know? Did you see that? Yeah. How do you know it wasn't somebody else? Because they didn't exactly have DNA testing back then. Yeah, and they didn't come up with dog tags until later. Yeah. And so there wasn't really, they didn't have a system for identifying bodies. And so that would be so hard because you wouldn't, you wouldn't have the answer. Exactly. You don't know if they're dead or maybe they just got a job and a new wife or Or prisoner of war or yeah, like just been like, I hate my life. I'm starting a new one. And like, I don't know. Or they defected, you know, Mm -hmm. they left. That's really interesting. Yeah. So oh so glad i didn't live during that yeah for lots of reasons yeah okay spiritualism this is a fun topic okay (laughs) i would need to do a whole podcast on that but we're going to briefly cover it so that you can understand it in context 
spiritualism is defined as a system of belief or religious practice based on supposed communication with the spirits of the dead, especially through mediums. After the Civil War, many people sat out answers on the afterlife, and this wave of new belief spread that it was possible. I see what I wrote there. And this wave of new belief spread that it was possible to communicate with the dead. Spiritualism also offered a liberal practice of women being the ones that had the connection to the spirit world and not men, which is very contrast to not only religion at the time, but the culture in general. Spiritualism offered women the opportunity to gain income as mediums. And for, and for a time, spiritualism was the only accepted way for women to speak publicly. That's nuts to me. Wow. <laughs> when I found that out, I was like, oh, I would be a medium. Put this in context, women received the right to vote in 1919. So this is eight, anytime after 1840s. So there's this big chunk of time mm-hmm. where they got to do this. I mean, think about how, I mean, even now, almost mediums, but think of how it was almost like a hundred years until, or it's it's been a hundred years last year since we got the right to vote, us ladies. That's that, crazy. That's not that long. No. <laughs> that's insane. Okay. Mediums or table turners could be a very profitable way of income, sometimes so profitable that their husbands would quit their job and opt to stay home to schedule appointments and run the behind the scenes of seances where their wives were the talent. Stocking boards, however, were accessible to the everyday family. Those that could not afford to pay a medium to speak with their loved ones that had passed away could instead use a talking board. Mediums seeing how talking boards were an alternative to their services, began to warn against the dangers of using talking boards. They claimed that people needed someone who was in touch with the spirit world, one who could guide them safely through without attracting unwanted spirits. They continued to spread superstition, stating that evil spirits can be unleashed through talking boards. This could either be because that this was what they truly believed, that talking boards or spirit boards were dangerous, or that they were trying to squash the competition. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. You think, think of the jobs that women could have. I was, I should have researched the, this the other day. You could be a maid. You could be a school teacher. You could be a prostitute. Mm-hmm. It's always in style. Yeah. Um, or you could be a medium. Yeah. So, and you could speak publicly and some, and have your husband quit his job and be the main breadwinner. Yeah. I mean, it totally makes sense how they would be like, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> Only just got a Ouija board and said, we're fine. Yeah. I could see how they would say, and which is why they could believe it, but it also makes sense that they would just business wise, not want anyone to think that a Ouija board is a good idea or that talking mm-hmm. boards. So yeah, or at least be like, you need it to be cleansed after every usage. Please bring it to me. Yeah, and, and I, will... I will do that. <laughs> give me your money. <laughs> yeah, I will rub it with salt and you will give me money. <laughs> yeah, I want to do, yeah, a whole podcast on spiritualism because it's super fascinating to me that here's this golden opportunity for women to have this way to make income mm-hmm. and to speak and oh, Oh, it's hard for me not to, to go into it, but they could even, I've read stuff that they could even say we should give, they would speak as if they were talking, somebody was channeling them. Well, I'm talking to, you know, Ben Franklin right now. And he says, you should give ladies the right to vote. <laughs> like they would say stuff like that, which they wouldn't be allowed to say normally, but it's yeah. not them talking. It's, no. a, it's a man. They're just the, they're just the vessel. It's so smart. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I mean, do I think, are there people out there that probably have, you know, like that ability? Yes. But were there some smart ladies that were making money? Yeah. Yes. I would be, I would definitely opt to do that. Okay. Uh, Remember the Fox sisters? Well, in 1888, Margaret, who was then 55, and considering the life expectancy at the time, that was old. She was an old lady by then. So in 1888, she confessed it was all a hoax. (gasps) (laughs) In a signed confession given to the press and published in the New York world, she explained the events. 
Margaret described different methods her and her sister would use to make different rapping and tapping noises. The most fascinating and hard to discover technique was that her and her sister each were double jointed and could make very loud cracking noises in their hands, wrists, fingers, knees, ankles, feet, and toes. They would practice for hours at night when their parents thought they were sleeping. The combination of cracking their joints on on the hollow on the hollow sounding floorboards amplified the cracking and rapping noises that gave a haunting sound. A year after that publication, Margaret attempted to recant her confession, but it was not well but it was not well received. Her reputation as a medium was ruined. Despite most or despite most believing the Fox sisters to be the birth of the spiritual movement, her confession did not stop the ever-growing popularity of spiritualism. Wow. Dang it, Margaret. Isn't that crazy? But why would she do that, I wonder? <laughs> like, confess? I yeah. Don't, I wonder, this is, this is what I think. And because I was listening to a, a podcast about it where, where they were talking, and I, I'm going to agree with what they said. If you think about it, they were just little girls, and they were playing a game. And then it kind of like exploded. Her parents were making, their parents were making money and people thought they were mediums. It spread everywhere. People were making talking boards and that's a lot of pressure mm-hmm. for, and I, they, they didn't have a lot of money. And so they're not going to say, I mean, I can imagine, oh, mom, but, but we're just making up. Yeah. No, you're not. Yeah. I, like, <laughs> Yeah, maybe she felt like her whole life was a lie or something. Yeah, I've noticed that, um, I've noticed, I have discovered in different things, sometimes people will uh, confess to a hoax later in their life. So mm-hmm. the, for example, the famous picture of the Loch Ness Monster, that like uh, black and white mm-hmm. where you just see, that was a hoax. And the guy who did it, his children... So after he passed away, his children went on record and said it was a hoax, but we didn't want to ruin his legacy. Mm-hmm. But they they it was killing them because yeah. they knew and he was like, Don't you dare. That yeah. was the best thing I ever did. <laughs> and so and and other things with like crop circles and things like that. Later on in life, people will say I think it just will say it was fake. I think it would just eat at you. Yeah. I mean it wouldn't me. I'd be like, hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I think, what was that, that one where those girls took pictures of fairies? Yeah. Time, and then it turned out that, that was all just forced perspective and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And they cut out, like, little pieces of paper. Didn't yeah. they confess to that, like, way later? I think so. Yeah, that's what made me think of it. Because I was looking yeah. up fairies online because I like fairies. I think they're nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I came across that and I was like, that can't be real. Just looking at the pictures, but back yeah. then. Because <laughs> photography was so new. They were yeah. like, well, it must be real. Yeah. <laughs> it's a picture. <laughs> I just think that's so I can because I can just picture. Oh, I know. Cecily just pointed at my dog. He sleeps with his feet in the air. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, buddy. You can go back. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Should I read the title of it? Uh, no, that's just to help me okay. understand where we're at. There were multiple versions of talking boards and board game companies wanted in on the action. In nineteen oof, in eighteen ninety, Charles Kennard and Elijah Bond set out to patent and sell their own talking board. Elijah Bond's sister-in-law, Helen Peters, was known as a medium, so they invited her to use their talking board. In the session, they asked the board what it would like to be named. The word Ouija, 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 Ouija was spelled out. When they asked what it meant, the reply was "Good luck." Okay, U.S. Patent Number four four six zero five four. Bond and Peters went to the patent office in Washington D.C. As you might imagine, there were a lot of naysayers. It's one thing to pull out a talking board at a dinner party, but to have your name attached to it and be remembered as one of the guys that gave a talking board an official patent, there were no takers. Employee after employee declined to do any paperwork until finally the chief of the patent office met with Elijah Bond and Helen Peters and said, okay, this needs to come to an end. You don't know me and I don't know you. If you can spell out my name with this thing, then I'll give you the patent. And after all three of them sat down together, his full name was spelled out, Charles Elliot Mitchell. He quickly finished the paperwork and they received the patent on February 10th, 1891. 
Isn't that kind of nuts, though? That's weird. <laughs> so strange. Maybe she actually was a medium. Yeah. I don't know. Because another thing, the way the information wasn't readily accessible back then. Mm-hmm. So you could have one person's testimony and that's all you knew about the situation. It's not mm-hmm. like you can look up and be like, did somebody tell you that guy's name? Or did, yeah. You know, did, did you do research on everyone that worked there? We have no way of knowing. Yeah, so. there was no such thing as research. Yeah, so that's what's kind of interesting to me is that you could be like, well, I don't know. Yeah. Could it happen? That's <laughs> really interesting. Since talking boards had been circulating all over the U.S. for the last 40 years, the Ouija board was well-received. This was marketed as a family-friendly product. People were delighted to play with Ouija boards. Not only, not only would they use it to attempt to communicate with spirits, but also ask questions about the future, such as the weather, outcomes, such as the weather or outcomes for sports events. It was also marketed for couples. A couple could sit across from each other and rest the board on their knees. This offered an excuse to sit close to one another and have their knees touch and their hands while they used the planchette, which is the indicator. They were so popular, in fact, that Norman Rockwell, yes, you heard me, Norman Rockwell, classic apple pie, baseball American, all all the wholesome feels, painted an image of a couple using a Ouija board that was featured on the cover of the Saturday Evening Post, May 1st, 1920. And I want to show... Cecily, that picture. I'm gonna look it up quick. This is the best way to explain how the Ouija board was actually really well received um, back in the day. Because when you think of Norman Rockwell, what what comes to mind when you think of Norman Rockwell? Well, for me, uh, I thought that you had said um, Rockefeller, so I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I know nothing about Norman Rockwell at all. Oh, you don't? Okay, no. okay. I forget that I'm like an art student yeah. and stuff. <laughs> so I was like, why would the Rockefellers have painted a picture? I know. Okay, well, in that case, first, I know you will recognize his artwork because it's everywhere. Because I want you to understand how, like... Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. This guy, just like all the wholesome feels, this Thanksgiving picture, yeah. like all of the, this is all Norman, Norman Rockwell. Where's the, where's the one with the little girl with the black eye? I really like that one. But yeah, Norman Rockwell, if you just, if you're listening to this and you can't remember, just, just look it up. Yeah. You'll recognize something. Just all oh, wholesome, wonderful. There it is. That's the one. This was my favorite one. I had this hanging. <gasps> Where'd it go? This is my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> got in a fight. I just love it. I love it so much. We're looking at the wonderful little girl sitting outside the principal's office, just smiling with the black eye because she got in a fight and she probably won. I don't know. It's great. So, Norman Rockwell. This is my the best way to illustrate that it was this well-received thing. Because, I mean, the Saturday Evening Post, it was, it was a big magazine. Mm-hmm. And they didn't shy away. It was like, oh, oh, oh. and you can look up. There's pictures of, of couples, you know, playing with the Ouija board. And, and they're, like, smiling and stuff. And so completely opposite than, than how it is now, which is just so funny to yeah, me. Yeah, very interesting. It's a pretty picture, too. And see... Like, think about in the, like, say the 20s, you sometimes had to have like a, what's the word? Chaperone. Thank you. Yeah. For, for dating. And so it was this opportunity where your knees could touch. So scandalous. <laughs> yeah. So scandalous. So, so it, clever, clever marketing. <laughs> Funeral homes were in charge of the care of the deceased and people did not discuss death as much as they used to. Medical knowledge was advancing, along with vaccines and knowledge on how to treat illnesses. Death was no longer a part of everyday conversation. People began losing interest with Ouija boards and mediums, and medical and scientific knowledge expanded. Then in 1973, one of the most influential horror movies in American culture was released, The Exorcist. This film featured a young girl who played with a Ouija board alone and eventually became possessed by a Dinah... Hmm... 
This film featured a young girl who played with a Ouija board alone and eventually became possessed by a demonic spirit. Setting aside the mention of the Ouija board, this film was a phenomenon in itself. People fainted in the theater and had to be carried out. Others vomited as a reaction to the disturbing scenes of possession. There were reports of heart attacks and miscarriages. A psychiatric journal carried a paper on cinematic neurosis triggered by the film. That's insane. Isn't that crazy? That's so crazy. Like, people must have been horrified. That was probably the first movie that came out about stuff like that, I would imagine. It, um, I think so. Yeah. Well, and it was the first time that they were playing with uh, new techniques yeah. on film. Um, you know, they made her face look all effed up and yeah, her, I, her head turned around. Yeah, I remember seeing... Like, I haven't actually seen the movie because um, it seems scary. Me uh, too. <laughs> but I've, of course, seen the stills and, like, the mockeries of it and mm-hmm. the parodies. Um, and it seems like it would be pretty troubling even now. So I can't imagine when it first came out back then. Yeah, because, okay, so this was the seventh, or was it 73, 72? That's still, that's early mm-hmm. uh, for... It was just, it was the beginning of this wave of, of horror films. Horror films that at that point were um, Dracula, The Wolfman, maybe some mummy movies. But oh, yeah. There was, no one had really gotten into anything devilish. Mm-hmm. And so it was one of the first ones. And my gosh, this, I mean, I'd heard that people fainted and vomited, but reports of people having a miscarriage. Okay. That one, you probably just happened to have a miscarriage yeah. and saw the movie, but there's no correlate. You can't for sure say like, oh my God, it scared me so bad for the miscarriage. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm not sure. And I don't know. That's That was pretty shocking to me. Like, what? I mean, that's that's the only one where I'm like, mm, I, just I don't, don't think that that would, I mean, would happen. Yeah, unless you have like that delicate of a, of a mental and physical constitution, in which case, why'd you go see that movie? Yeah. <laughs> did you see it and be like that seems like a nice fun romp in the hay no (laughs) i just think that's so yeah i mean alone i gotta watch that movie at some point because it really was a phenomenon like it just people weren't expecting it okay oh yeah okay after the mixed reviews of the film the Exorcist became a household name, along with fueled superstition and beliefs of the Ouija board. Then came the satanic panic of the 80s. And lordy, lord, 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 was that a trip. Again, I need to do a whole episode on this alone. But to sum it up, for a decade, the country was terrified of demonic possession to the point of falsely accusing many people, mostly teachers and daycare workers, of being involved in satanic tannic cults and torturing children evangelists warned how music film and games were priming the youth to worship satan to the point where even cartoon series were considered to have demonic ulterior motives such as the smurfs the care bears and rainbow bright if you can believe it as a result the ouija ouija board ouija as a result ouija boards were feared even more so even now, there is still a lot of superstition surrounding the Ouija, Ouija boards. Even those who are not religious fear demonic possession through talking boards. The most curious in my mind is paranormal enthusiasts who make it a point to go on ghost hunts and have seances. Even within that community, most people believe the Ouija board is the one line you don't cross. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, um, I follow somebody on YouTube who does a lot of like paranormal stuff and she goes and gets haunted antiques and things. And so she's not really worried about that kind of stuff, but she is afraid of her Ouija board. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. It's so funny. Like I've seen videos where she stays in haunted hotels and like you see paranormal activity happening in the videos. Uh And then she's like, but I'm not touching that Ouija board. (laughs) It's so funny. It's yeah. Especially people that are saturated themselves in it. To them, they, there's just this deep-seated fear. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, especially think looking at the timeline, I mean, even reading all of those things, for a hundred years, for over a hundred years, it was this very positive thing. And then, I swear, I swear the exorcist had a lot to... I swear, the ex, I blame the exorcist and I blame the satanic panic, but also just 
America in general changed how they talked about death Mm -hmm. and how they felt about it. And so there's all of these things that, that primed this to be something that it wasn't for so many years, which is, it's fascinating to me because you can see the influences of the media. So the movie immensely impactful, not, not just for Ouija boards, but for religion, for the the culture. Oh my God. Just the whole, the whole satanic panic of the eighties was in, insane. So, yeah. so insane. I'll have to show you this thing. It's this pastor talking about, Oh, you see how rainbow bright has a star on her cheek. That's a, a pentacle or a, what do you call it? A pentagon, the pentagram pentagram. Yeah. <laughs> I always go through those two first. It's like, what? Rainbow freaking Brian and the Care Bears? The Care Bears? Yeah. They care? They love? I don't understand. Like, just people went crazy. And so it it makes total sense to see how it is now feared. But it's just interesting because it all this research, I am less scared of it. Mm-hmm. But there's still that part of me. Cecily has asked me and Chris if we want to play with the Ouija board this Halloween. And I, I said, yes. <laughs> I said, yes, I'm going to take uh, an invisible shot before I do yeah. it. I don't drink, but if I did, that would be I might time. take an actual shot. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not that time where I realize I don't have very many physical vices. Mm-hmm. And so when there's something that makes me nervous, I'm just like, okay. <laughs> 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 yeah. myself up. Take a shot of vinegar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Or salt water. You know, keep the ghosts mm-hmm. out. That's what they say. I I definitely have some things I'm going to bring over if you're okay with this. Yeah. Like. <laughs> we'll have to, we'll get some That's like, careful. <laughs> yeah, we'll have some like sage and salt and like around the table uh-huh. just in case. I don't know. I'm going to, I mean, I'm nervous about it and it's and, fine. Which is weird. I mean, you okay. So now that you know all that, how like you're like, what's your reaction? I still feel weird. Me too. It's so strange. Like I still get this knot in my stomach where I'm like, I'm going to open a portal to hell in my condo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and I think part of it's because I've heard so many stories where people will, will talk about, well, we played it and then this happened and then this person killed themselves or they went to a mental institution. It's like, I've heard so many different things like that mm-hmm. but then i have to think is it just the placebo effect is it yeah it has to be in like drawing imaginary lines for cause and effect like it's mm-hmm. just two separate things there's no there's no co- correlation like things that happen like even if you didn't play Ouija board whoops maybe something crazy would have happened but um yeah i'm uh, i'm interested to see and i will say on the on the set that you have seeing the little hasbro label on it made it seem less scary yeah so that was pretty fun it's like oh somebody made millions of these on an assembly line (laughs) in probably one day yeah like they're not just pumping out like there's not some paranormal x-ray they hit it with when it's going through it's just a board game so i'm sure it's gonna be fine yeah it's it's not made from like pieces of old floorboards from the murder scene you know or something like that Um, you know what's interesting is like I knew that we would have, we would be interacting with a Ouija board today. And like, I don't know why, just out of instinct, I was like, I'm going to wear my necklace that has my ferret's ashes in it. <laughs> I just feel like I need his spirit to protect me against any evil. So I have so him funny. right here. And like, I'm a logical person. Yeah, you are. You are. I'm a logical person who runs a restaurant for a living. Like, I'm not just like out there dancing in the moonlight, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I couldn't stop myself from putting it on. I was like, yep, that's a reasonable idea. Because it's all you, it's what you've known. Yeah. And, and I, I find this interesting. Okay. So if you, if this isn't too personal, you're not religious no. right now. Mm-mm. So that I find interesting. So can, do you believe in, in God? I have no idea. Okay. So, well, well, that's one thing. Cause if like an atheist is like, nope, but I believe in the devil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what's going on, basically. Mm-hmm. I'm just here for the ride and the snacks. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I find, I find it interesting when someone isn't religious or especially, like I said, especially if someone's an atheist and they're like, no, but yeah, yeah, just in case, because I mean, to think about it, you, you can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. So if somebody is scared of demonic possession you'd have to think, well, then do you believe that angelic 
interaction is also a possibility because mm-hmm. that's something that that I've thought about is that I don't know it's just it's just interesting because especially if you're thinking that like Judeo-Christian version if there are devils then there are angels and yeah. that's kind of cool I would love to be possessed by an angel <laughs> I think that sounds nice yeah instead of barfing and your head spinning around you just like fly around for a little bit or something yeah you just, or like, having some kind of I don't know, assistance. Or you fart rainbows or something. <laughs> I'm in. There was one thing that I forgot to look up. It's this term. Um, it's, it's, it's what they call the movements when someone is um, playing with a Ouija board. And it's you can say Ouija or Ouija. Both are fine. Idiomotor. I don't always say that. Idiomotor phenomenon. Hmm. Oh, because like nobody's supposed to be moving and it's supposed to be like a a joint, like Oops. everybody's doing it together type it, of a thing. Exactly. All right, I'm going to pause this for a second and check on. Oh, I forgot. This. Okay. Yeah, I'll pop Okay. The idiomotor phenomenon is a psychological phenomenon wherein a subject makes motions unconsciously. Okay. An example of table turning in the 19th century. Sorry, I'm like (laughs) reading Wikipedia. Okay. So an example is a circle of participants press their hands against a table and the idiomotor effect causes the table to tilt in such a way as to produce... Oh, gosh. It's still talking about table turning. I thought it was talking about. Um, board. Okay. The phrase is most commonly used in reference to the process whereby a thought or mental image brings about a seemingly reflexive or automatic muscle reaction. Often, a minuscule, often of minuscule degree and potentially outside of the awareness of the subject. As in reflex responses to pain, the body sometimes reacts reflexively with an idiomotor effect to ideas alone without the person consciously deciding to take action. The effects of automatic writing, dowsing? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so I don't know what that is. I'll have to look that up. The effects of automatic writing, dowsing, facilitated communication, and Ouija boards have been attributed to the phenomenon. So that's that's the term that they call it when you move around like that. This is what I think. I think if you got three people that all spoke different languages that used the you know that alphabet but didn't speak the same language, I don't think it would work. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair assumption. Um, and I think it would be interesting to do some sort of blind thing where everybody using the Ouija board was blindfolded. I think they have done that again, something I should have looked up, but it didn't work. Yeah. They were just all over the place. Yeah. So I think, um, everybody's just subconsciously doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. maybe also a similar thing with divining rods and stuff when people do things like that. Cause I know those are really easy to accidentally move and stuff, mm-hmm. but I think it's kind of the same thing of like, you get what you want to see. Yeah. If you're all looking for an answer, then you're going to kind of make it happen, whether or not it's conscious or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it wouldn't feel natural to try to spell out a nonsensical group of letters Mm -hmm. and so i think there's just something kind of like automatic about that yeah there's because human beings look for patterns that's what we do we look for patterns and meanings in things and so we might be like trying to find some sort of meaning just unintentionally and then Mm -hmm. that automatic idiosyncrasy movement or whatever you were talking about goes into effect yeah one thing that i think about is okay so if this was (laughs) like the devil trying to get at the world really it's a stupid board game (laughs) yeah and that's kind of like another thing where i think sometimes with these things people have a real self-importance complex it's like why you (laughs) what is so special about you that out of seven billion people the devil's like this one i have to destroy this one like i don't know (laughs) 
<laughs> possessed me. Yeah. And then did you, what did you do? Did yeah. you go on a killing spree or? Or did you just lay in your room and vomit like the girl yeah. in the exorcist? Or did what? you just freak yourself out? I don't know. It's, yeah, there's a lot of that stuff. I just kind of have a little bit of a, really? <laughs> That's really, really funny. I like that perspective. Like, so important. Yeah, I don't, I think that if great evil is going to come from, it's not going to come from this tiny little breakable thing. I think it's going to come from people with a lot of money and a lot of power doing bad things. That's exactly where it comes from. Or people hurting each other. And mm-hmm. the scary thing is you don't have to be possessed for those things to happen no and so that's the the evil i so i don't really fear ouija boards or demons that much i fear people and the ugliness that can come from not curbing those darker urges mm-hmm. that's what i fear but i know that um i wanted to bring this up in this episode uh the last episode that i did with cecily and her husband nathan there was a point where i like paused it because there were some experiences that I didn't want to share. But I, without going into detail, I will say that I, on my mission, because, and I think I was able to have experiences like that on my mission because I was praying all of the time and I was trying to help people all of the time. And it wasn't just to like learn about the gospel. It was will help you kick your drug habit or or this or you know things like that we're doing good things but i had dark experiences i had a couple of dark experiences but on the flip side i was also able to witness some really amazing things that were angelic and because they're personal to me i won't share them on the podcast but there was one point and i didn't tell you and nathan or i was like halfway through that my mission and i said this very like fervent prayer or it basically was like, I'm good. I don't want to see that anymore. <laughs> I don't want to be open to it because I'm learning. <laughs> Not a lot of people are. <laughs> and it was just, it was, it was too much. I mean, it was, it was interesting and it gave me a lot of perspective, but, and it, and it actually helped me and this is just for me, I'm not saying, you know, that my beliefs are dogma. This is just what I experienced and how I see the world and the afterlife and, and all things in that. It, it made me realize that we, or at least me, I have a purpose in this life and whatever's going on behind the scenes in the spirit realm, I don't super need to be uh, involved with because they got their job to do and I have my job to do, which is basically the prayer I said to God. I was like, ah, unless, unless I need to, please don't show me. And and it went away. Like Mm -hmm. I stopped. The only connection I had after that was, um, just family members that had, that had passed away. Mm. And I felt, I felt so relieved because I, there was this moment where I thought, oh my God, am I going to have this the rest of my life? (laughs) I don't want that. I don't want those problems. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder if you could ever ask for it back if you wanted it. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I've thought about it, but I'm too nervous to even be like, oh, because it's just like, I got enough crap on my own. But I was, I'm grateful that that happened. And I wonder you know how they say children can see things, mm-hmm. but then, you know, like, uh, imaginary friends, maybe they're just like a spirit of someone that's watching over them and they, they grow out of it. I wonder about that sometimes. And I, I just think maybe if you're really, really not open to something, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like Chris's family, they, some of them have had experiences with family members that have passed away. He hasn't because he'd be like, eh, if you need to talk to me, sure. But yeah. like, <laughs> like he's a good guy. He's wonderful. I love him. I married him. But I, I he's not the most spiritual. Mm-hmm. And so I could see that not happening for him. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, well, just catch me on the flip side. Yeah. <laughs> when I get there, let's have a real conversation. Yeah. I feel like that. I don't know. So I wonder if people that are more open to it actually uh, have experiences and people that are like, no, even with, even with, and so I'm bringing this back to the Ouija board. I think if you believe that something's going to happen, whether it's like a placebo effect or not, you could be opening yourself up. And if you're like, nothing's going to happen, then nothing will happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that with all spiritual things, if if you're open to it, you're opening yourself up. Okay. The last thing I want to talk about is this is 
an American phenomenon. This is something that has happened here. The way our culture looks at death even now is very, very different. So other cultures say like Asian cultures, they'll have a, they'll have a shrine and they'll make offerings to their ancestors. And it's this, it's this air of reverence, unlike us, (laughs) like we make horror movies and, and, and we kind of have this gallows humor Mm -hmm. about death, um, that is not common globally. And if you think of the, you know, like El Dia de los Muertos, they have this whole day where they're celebrating and it's, it's, it's never done. It would, they just wouldn't think of it as, as a joke to pull out a Ouija boards aren't popular anywhere else except mm-hmm. here. Yeah. That's what I was wondering too. Yeah. I mean, maybe now, cause people think a little bit more secularly now, but in a lot of places it would just be like, Oh, you don't do that. That's not, that's not respectful. You wouldn't even think about it in, in China. Oh my God. They would just be like, Oh, you trash. Yeah. <laughs> they're just, they're very, they're much more revered the those that have passed on. So that's something that mm, we don't have in common with the, mm-hmm. the rest of the world. That whole, like, what is that, that book, the ugly American that talks about, how we do things differently <laughs> than most are kind of like obliviously. Mm-hmm. And I could just, I don't know. I could, I could see that from like another perspective, it could be seen as incredibly disrespectful. Like, Oh, they'll talk to you if they want to talk to you. Don't bother them. Yeah. <laughs> stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is interesting. I never really think about it just being an American thing, but um, I guess that makes a lot of sense. I wonder if Canada has any <laughs> yeah because they're because they're like that. america junior you know mm-hmm. but you know smarter <laughs> smarter better healthcare. yeah <laughs> um i was listening to this podcast with this woman she's from australia monster talk check it out it's the best and she said that most of the people that she know they're pretty secular but they said the same thing like oh no no no, no. she couldn't even find a, a ouija board and they were they i don't remember how it came up but her friend's mom was like, you don't even talk about that. It's just like disrespectful. Mm. And so I thought that was kind of interesting. But that's all I got for you. How, how was it learning about all of that? It was fascinating. (laughs) Very fascinating. Um, I'm glad I learned all that makes me want to go and learn more, but I just like, there, there's still that thing of like, if I type it into my phone, my phone is now haunted. (laughs) Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's so it. funny. That's so funny. I love that so much. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't wait to actually play around on it and see what happens or doesn't happen. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. I told her we could do it as long as I could record it. So well, yeah, we have to. Yeah. Yeah. Just in case something happens oh and we need to present it That's to true. the government. <laughs> Thanks for listening, my little strangelings. I hope you join us next time. Scare you later.